Hey everyone, this is Trey Atkins alongside Campbell Garbert, Jack Vesey, and Graham Copeland. Welcome to the Barners Before Bed Show, Wednesdays at 10 p.m. on Weagle 91.1 FM. Your home for late night Auburn athletic coverage from a fan's perspective each hump day. War Eagle. And with that, we bring you episode 37 of Barners Before Bed here on a semi-cold, a little bit rainy Monday night in Auburn, Alabama. I'm Trey Atkins, joined alongside Jack Vesey. There comes Graham Copeland walking through that door. And Campbell Garber via phone. And special episode tonight because at 8.30, we will have a former Auburn student and Kentucky native actor Josh Hopkins joining us tonight on the show to preview the upcoming college game day matchup between the Wildcats and the Tigers. But before we get there, there's a lot of hoops to recap. Boy, what a what a couple weeks. What a roller coaster of a week for Auburn. Let's start off with that. The hometown crew coming off a win on last Wednesday against the team from Tuscaloosa. An absolute rout was a free throw away from the 100 mark, but nonetheless, a great win against our rival and a great tournament booster as well, if I'm, if I'm being honest. They were the top team in the SEC at the time, and now it's become more wide open. And then this Saturday, we had a chance to really submit it, but may have laid a little bit of a dud, but so did some other teams in the SEC, including Tennessee, who lost to... Wow. A&M, they lost to A&M on the road, and the Kentucky Wildcats losing a just embarrassing game at Rupp Arena. But South Carolina still at the top, and we get to face those guys on Wednesday for a chance to get right back in the hunt for the SEC regular season championship. Guys, from the past two games, some takeaways, some thoughts, some hot takes. Also, I would love to talk a little Super Bowl as well. A lot of ball. Let's fire away. Jack, go ahead. Uh, so I'll just go ahead and start with last Wednesday because I got to be in attendance. My uncle had an extra ticket and brought me in. So it was by far the loudest basketball game I've ever been to, and I've uh, gotten the opportunity to go to a lot. So that was an aw- an awesome atmosphere. The game was great. I, you know, We looked like, in my opinion, a top three team in the country on Wednesday. And then Saturday, I didn't get to watch much of the game just because where we were, the TV service was little brutal but uh it sounds like we looked like a completely different team but you know sometimes that's how it is and playing in the road in SEC as you we've been able to see this season is a very difficult thing to do so I'm just hoping we'll rebound Wednesday and get back into the swing of things and hopefully close out and win the SEC yeah and Gainesville's always a tough place to play on the road I don't think we've won there in 28 years it was a great chance to end the streak but Florida's a tournament team there's some sneak. This is the most wide open the SEC's been in years, top to bottom. Some fantastic talent. I saw Fanta and some other guys talking about how the SEC might be right behind, let's say, the Big East for the top dogs in college basketball. Mel, what are your takeaways from Saturday or just the SEC in general? Yeah, I mean, it's always nice to clear the bench against uh, not only your arch rival, but what I believe is a uh, top probably 13 or 14 team in the country in Alabama. So that's always nice to do. Um, I mean, on both sides of the bat, that's probably the, the wrong phrase to use. But um, offensively and defensively looked great. I mean, Alabama is the top scoring team in the nation, and we held them to 81, and some of those points probably came in garbage time. So that's always great. Um, and offensively, firing at all cylinders. Um, as for Florida, I mean – that's just a tough game. I mean, you only get a two-day break, and then you got to travel to Gainesville, Florida, um, right after uh, a, a dog fight with your uh, arch rival. 
So, I mean, I, I came into the game. I, I wasn't too too surprised with the outcome. I was surprised, you know, just – I was surprised that we were down, like, almost 30 at one point, I will say that. But I'm not surprised uh, with, with the outcome at all, um, given the circumstances. But I, I would really like to see Bruce really try to figure out, you know, the, these these road issues we're having. I would really like – I think that's the next step for us as a basketball program is figuring out ways to win games like those. Not hitting the panic button at all because we just had a nice road victory against Ole Miss and we won by double digits, which is great. But it would be nice to, to, to see us just put teams away like this that are solid but that we're more than capable of beating on the road. Garber from Nashville. Yeah, from a rainy I-65. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously Wednesday was incredible. Um, Saturday, not so much. Both games, we let up 81 points, but they looked completely different. Um, I, yeah, I was really obviously thrilled with how we played, continue to play at home. I mean, it's just, we're a wagon at home. It's, it, there's really no other way to put it. It's just, everything seems to click. I think, I think the biggest part of the thing is our guys just feed off the energy. It's such an energized team. And I think, honestly, the thing about Saturday, I don't know if it was necessarily that there was a bunch of energy against us. I think it was just that there wasn't as much energy in the building. And I think that just doesn't I, – I think I think it was hard for our team. They just didn't look motivated at all. I mean, right off the gun, we, we just – it. I, I don't know. I'm not going to say they weren't motivated to play, but it was just something was missing, you know. Call it a hangover from Wednesday, I, I guess. I mean, long travel to Gainesville, but – Yeah, yeah it was really just that offensive performance was just – it, it, it was hard to watch, really, most of those possessions. But I think a lot of that fueled from the lack of turnovers we created. I feel like in our, you know, the games like at home against Alabama and our big wins, you know, we create so many easy buckets for ourselves. You know, get down and transition off a turnover or just, you know, getting in a good rhythm. But we just were never able to get in that rhythm. And never, every shot looked challenging, I think. That was kind of the my takeaway since for Saturday. Yeah, and there was just a lot of weird pieces going into that game. I, there were some rumors the team got there a little late, and then we saw the video from, I don't, I don't think it was viral, I may be spoiling something here, but there was a video of Jalen Williams in his hotel room, I guess, missed shoot-around. There's a couple other players that missed shoot-around. It was just a weird, when you ever, Gainesville's a tricky spot, and I would throw Aggieland in there as well, maybe Missouri, for the long-distance traveling, to where that like you're not hopping on a bus like a high school game, you're getting on a flight, and you have to adjust your entire routine, I guess, for a road game, and that definitely can throw some people off, and clearly it definitely threw us off shooting-wise. And, Garber, you made a great point. That was one of my key takeaways. Just everything seemed difficult on Saturday. It was hard for anyone to get a clean look. That means you have to force stuff, especially with the trees they got down in the post. Is it a little alarming how much that affected someone like Janai Broom going up against the taller Gators? Like, let's say we play against Zach Eady in the NCAA tournament. Like, that would be a tad terrifying, right? Oh, without a doubt. Uh, but kind of, I just wanted to go back. Like Graham said, we're not. I'm not ready to press the panic button just yet. Unlike uh, a lot of our Twitter, like, if I don't know how much y'all looked at Twitter this weekend, but people were imploding, and I just think it's funny because I think. Even though we're really big into basketball now, we still have such a football mindset in it where it's like, you know, you lose a couple games and your season's done and people are ready to blow the team up. But, I mean, 
uh, UConn, if I'm not mistaken, was their month of January last year was pretty brutal. Uh, yeah, no, a lot, it happens a lot. There's a lot of teams that always kind of struggle at a certain point in the season, but that's just not indicative of what the final product in March is going to look like. So I'm, I'm confident. I think we'll uh, – we have the right pieces to make a run potentially. And another thing about we, March, we got the best. You couldn't ask for a better week to be able to, you know, the opportunities were given. Two ranked teams both at home. Being able to gain a game back on South Carolina if we beat them for the race for the SEC. I mean, after laying an egg like that in Gainesville, you can't ask for much, really much better of an opportunity than get to go home. Yeah, definitely a chance there for a rebound with the opportunity here to play against Ole Miss and play against Kentucky, two ranked teams, as you said. But another thing, too, I don't know if this is going to benefit or hurt a team like Auburn. We're in the NCAA tournament. You're playing it, let's say, Thursday at noon in a quiet gym in, like, San Diego, where I feel like this team thrives off the atmosphere. Maybe even not necessarily Saturday was the best example, but sometimes maybe, like, a guy like Katie Johnson thrives on a road atmosphere. It's something definitely to keep in mind. But, yes, great chance for a rebound. And something I am looking at here is I'm looking at the SEC standings. you got Caroline at the top sitting at 9-2. and two. Bama also at nine and two, which I'm curious on how that works, considering Bama beat South Carolina, and then us at three, right ahead of Tennessee at four, and then Kentucky and Florida rounded out at five and six. And that top four in the SEC tournament is so big because that takes away the Thursday game. You don't want to be playing on Thursday going into March Madness. Graham, what do you think? Yeah, um, you know Wednesday is going to be a big one. I'm, I think we should be a little bit more worried about South Carolina. Um, than we probably are. I mean, although they, they lack, I mean, I, I don't think they have a single, you know, player that plays more than about five or so minutes that, that is over the height of, like, six eight. But they are, I mean, if you look at their team, like, they are just a bunch of football players. Like, they are massive, um, and they play a really good defense. Um, they have proven to be able to win on the road with wins, like, at Tennessee, at Georgia. Um, so, and obviously they beat Kentucky by 17 at home. So really good ball club we're playing on Wednesday. Um, but, yeah, I think I, we're in a good spot. I mean, Neville is Neville. We're going we're gonna to get it loud. Uh, we're going to, you know, come out strong. But I would, I would really like to see us. I think Garber, I agree with what Garber said about, you know, what the spot we're in right now, uh, given this week, uh, to really bounce back. Um, to your point, though, I would really like to see us, you know, shoot decently well in a gym not named Neville Arena. Uh, I think that would be a big difference uh, for us. It'll be interesting to see how we finish down the road. I want to see guys like, uh, you know, Aiden start to figure it out. This is the time. Like, this is the time to do it. Um, and if he doesn't do it here in the next week or so, I don't know if he ever will this season. Um, but guys like him, guys like Denver. That is definitely a room for concern. About you know being able to get up for a game, yeah, like you said, like in Greenville on a Thursday, especially if we get slotted somewhere around like 11 a.m. So, I mean, I think that was part of the reason in 2019 why our, our scariest game was the first game against New Mexico State. Um, yeah, I don't think after that we played all blue bloods, so the crowd you know was showed up, was there, it was you know electric atmosphere. But like that first one was definitely the deadest crowd, and I think 
I think Auburn, I think Bruce Pearl's teams, I think it's kind of the thing you have to live by is that they're so passion-based. They're so, you know, so focused on energy. And so we're going to have to work on, you know, bringing your energy with you rather than just, you know, getting it, outsourcing it from the crowd. Yeah, and another thing with that when it comes to playing to the crowd and stuff like that. But first, before I get there, you mentioned Aiden. Is he a six-one Johan Treor? Is that level yeah. of red flag need to be addressed yet? I, I think we're getting there. I think we're certainly getting there. I mean, it's getting to the point where he, it's almost like he's a he's a Leor of sorts. Like if you're not good, if you're not, when you're getting your minutes and you're not knocking down a three and you're not like defending at a high level, then why are you out there? So it's kind of getting to that point with Aiden. So I, that's what I fear. But I mean, I'm I'm hoping he. I mean, he's a McDonald's All American. Let's not forget. Like, dude can play. We know he can. Um, so I, I'm really looking to see him turn it around here uh, towards the end of the regular season. Jack, any thoughts on Aiden Holloway? I think you've been one of the more critical guys when it comes to his play so far. Uh, I don't think he's near Johan level. I think we're forgetting that. Like, it got to the point where Johan this time last year didn't. He was not touching the court. He didn't play in the SEC play. So I don't think it's that bad. Uh, but to Graham's point, when you're coming in, when you're brought in as a shooter, and, I mean, both of you guys played as a guard in high school, and you can relate that uh, shooting is one of the most mental – like, I would say outside of golf uh, and maybe, you know, swinging a baseball bat, shooting a – being a shooter in basketball is one of the most mental, mentally tough things in sports. Uh, so if you just get off your game and you get into one of these slumps – especially when you're 18 years old. It can just be so hard for him to get out of it. Uh, realistically, I think next week uh, when we have, I believe, Missouri and Georgia, uh, those are going to be two games where he'll have more of an opportunity to be creative and shoot more, and it's not gonna, we're not going to have to worry too much. Uh, this week, I just really hope he plays his role and then they, that Trey, and they both facilitate very well. As long as we can just focus on getting the ball into Janai, I think we'll be fine. And that's kind of what Aiden needs to focus on now is just, playing that role of a stereotypical point guard where you just facilitate. Yeah, and on that note, we're going to go ahead and take a short break here in uh, segment one, episode 37, Barnes for Bed. Thank you guys for staying up with us. In 15 minutes, we'll have Mr. Josh Hopkins himself joining the show, so stay tuned. But for now, we're going to take a break, and we will be back shortly. And welcome back. Episode 37, Barnes Before Bed. Monday, February 12th, right in the heart of conference play. And before we went to break, we were talking a little bit about the atmosphere and what factors into that, because it doesn't really matter in the NCAA tournament, unless maybe you're one of the top-tier teams that has other fan bases come and cheer against you, which brings more of a road atmosphere. Let's say if you're very – if we're – obviously last year we were in Birmingham, right? That's That was a home game. We lucked into that one and unfortunately didn't capitalize. But in 2018 – as we talked about, where we talked about 2019 with New Mexico State, the year before struggled against College of Charleston due to the fact that it was all the way on the West Coast, empty arena, I don't even, San Diego State or whoever plays there. But if you, I saw someone on the Auburn fan base talking about the Florida game saying this, and this is not word for word, but it was along the lines of this quote, now that we're on the same levels of the Kentuckys or Duke in terms of teams wanting to beat us, everyone's going to bring their best shot when we come to their town. And with that, the tax of having other teams cheer against you in the NCAA tournament. So are y'all prepared to have that happen? Uh, I think so. Um, I'm, I guess. I'm kind of confused. Why? What are you saying? Like other teams bringing 
like when we play round of 16. Yeah, so, but for example, St. Peter's 2022. Kentucky's playing. The two teams that played before, I don't remember exactly. Let's say it was like Marquette and someone else. They make up, each team makes up 25% of the gym, right? And like sometimes teams bring more, whatever. But that other 75% is going to hang around and cheer against the top dog because no one likes to see Goliath win. That's one of the Rothstein-isms during March. No one likes to see Goliath win. So if Auburn is now on that, because Auburn used to be the other way around. Like when Auburn was playing Carolina and Kentucky, or more specifically Carolina, all the Kentucky fans were chanting SEC, SEC, backing them up. And that was a full-on Neville Arena-type experience out there in St. Louis or Kansas City. But now, when you live long enough to become a villain, you're going to have teams that cheer against you. Look, Gonzaga used to be America's sweetheart. Now, if I was at an NCAA tournament game, I would be booing the heck out of Mark Few and Drew Timmy and company. So, and there's a lot of people that don't like Katie Johnson. Is that if Auburn's like a three-seed or four-seed out there in a... I I think LA is one of the spots. I mean, that's something to keep in mind. Yeah, I would say I think it'll definitely be interesting. Um, Fortunately for us, playing in the SEC, you go and you play at some very hostile and play in some very hostile environments. Like I think at Tennessee is going to be very rowdy, and uh, it's going to be a huge game. So they're all they're obviously going to show up. And fortunately, we have a lot of guys on the team that have played in these hostile environments before. So I think this team, more more so than other ones we've had in the past, would be more uh, equipped to handle that situation. So I wouldn't be too worried about it, but it's definitely something that will be interesting later in March. Garber, are you back on? I am. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm with you, Jack. I think this team, I think in moments, in big moments, it showed more poise. I mean, that Alabama game was tough, you know, losing at there. But, I mean, we only lost by four points. You know, you, you know, there's no, there's no winning in that. But I mean, it wasn't like we just got you know punked out there, at their place. I think I'm with you. I think a lot of people are expecting this Tennessee game, and we're definitely not going to be we're going to be underdogs in it for sure, just because Tennessee's you know higher rated and, you know, we'll be on the road, hard to win in Thompson Bowling. But I think kind of what I was saying in the last segment, I think this team just thrives off energy in and of itself, kind of regardless of whether it's at us or for us. Um, I think, I think the scarier games are when you have to go on the road and it's kind of quiet and it's like, you know, it's, it's a lot less energetic because you're playing a team, you know, that because this SEC team, this SEC conference is so deep. I mean, outside of like that bandy game, I mean, even the teams that are closer to the bottom are still, you know, frisky, especially when they're playing at home, they're comfortable in their own gym. So yeah, like you said, I think I'm excited for that Tennessee game. Definitely. Because I think, this team has it in them to get it done. And also, I feel like Auburn is due for a win at Thompson Bowling. And that's – you or they make it at like the Bruce game, if you will. It was a former team. I, we dominate them at home. I've, I can recall multiple times of Auburn getting a great tournament booster by beating Tennessee. It's like 2019 and then last year. But I've yet to see us win at Thompson Bowling. So I want to make – I want to get that off the checklist. Am I missing – have we won at Thompson Bowling in years past, Mello? I am trying to look at it right now. But, I mean, I know we haven't won in our four years, so. Um. Yeah, I'm not seeing. I'm not seeing W. Or actually, yes. The last time we played at Thompson Bowling, that was when we won in 2017. The icy win, 2018. 
Um, we also won in 2000, the 2019-2020 season. We beat them by 22 in Knoxville. Oh, yeah, that team was brutal. They lost Grant Williams and Schofield and just returned Jordan. Yeah, Bowie I mean, we've, so bad. we've had Rick Barnes' number um, as of lately, especially since uh, 2017 for sure, I think. One, two, three, four, five, six. We got seven and two in our last nine against Tennessee. Yeah, but I I would still consider Thompson Bowling one of the kryptonites for Auburn on the road. I used to think Arkansas, but now after this year, I'm taking them off the list. That was such a dominating performance that I mean they, that you've earned the the check there. I still don't feel comfortable anytime we walk into Coleman. I guess that's just a rivalry factor. Some other arenas, I I don't know if we necessarily struggle at the hump. Because we won there in 2022, what would y'all say is Auburn's biggest road kryptonite? Is Florida? We haven't won there in 28 years. Rupp? I don't. I don't think Auburn's won at Rupp. I know for a fact, at least in my lifetime. What would y'all say is the number one? If we go in, let's say number seven of the country, they're unranked. You're still like, I would take the spread of said team. Uh I mean, I still think Kentucky. They just always worry me, just because of the brand that they have in the history, even though they've been off of that the last few years. Uh, they still – Rupp is also so big. I, You know, when we went to stay with you the first time uh, and we got to see how big Rupp was, I, I was just genuinely shocked that that was a college basketball arena. So that place just always is, gives me fear. Yeah, and, the, and when Kentucky comes to Auburn Arena going from playing – in the NBA gyms and those showcases and playing at Rupp and then playing in other games like the Home and Homes, for example, played at North Carolina in the past. Playing in an arena like Neville, that really does factor in. Garber, like it's kind of a little bit of a memorial-type feel in a way of how Auburn's aesthetic of being that small maybe can throw some people off. I think definitely, I think also like just having, and I know other courts have it, but I, I don't know, it just seems like on the TV that, jungle is just like there so much closer and so like on top of you know the court that i feel like that really adds an extra but also yeah just being a smaller gym i mean less lower ceilings you know just keeps the sound in better it just bounces off the walls thompson bowling is another massive arena um i've never been to rub but thompson bowling i went two years ago for that game and it was is large. I, I I don't think I was quite. I don't think I knew how big it was until I had gone. Yeah, there's just something about the Tennessee feel because Neyland's also one of the biggest stadiums in the country. But I love how you mentioned the jungles right there on the court. I don't get any program or team unless the city owns the arena. Like Rupp, it's owned by the city of Lexington. I think the Dean Dome may be owned by Chapel Hill. That's where you have the concerts and stuff at those arenas. You, you won't ever see a concert at Neville. It is Auburn's owned by Auburn, and it belongs to Auburn. But if you own your arena and you don't have your student section right there behind the bench or on the sideline, what are you doing? It does numbers. It changed the program, I feel like. It encouraged people to come to games. It's really – when that happened, I feel like it really turned things around. Would you agree, Melo? Yeah, I mean, you can – like we can hear the chatter, like we can hear the players and coaches talking on the floor when we're in those like scholarship seats. Um, shout to J Dub, but um, yeah, I I think it's awesome how how packed in tight it is. We can hear them; they can definitely hear us. So I think that definitely plays a factor. I also think optics too are are a pretty big deal as well. I mean, this might be ticky tacky, but I think just like 
for example, like the Tennessee, like the, just the, that ugly orange, just it's harder to play on. Like I remember like my freshman year when I was at Rhodes, uh, we played against Oglethorpe, and Oglethorpe's court is black, literally just straight black. And, I mean, that's just weird to play on, especially for the road team because it's just not unorthodox and something you're not used to. It's just weird optics. Yeah, I'm still like – Yeah, also is very ugly. Like, it's just very big and mechanical looking. I mean, boxy out of the outside is crazy how they haven't made that – upgraded that to look just a little bit nicer. But, yeah, it's big and kind of dark. But, yeah, it's definitely an intimidating place. I'm still a hu- like a hoops purist, though. I hate the funky courts. I love it in football for some reason. I love the Smurf turf. But in basketball, don't get cute. Like, Oregon's looks pitiful. There's uh, some Oregon's other gyms awful. that come to mind that just don't look good. You like, yeah, do you like TCUs? No, absolutely not. I, I, it look, the gray is such a bad choice because it looks like everyone's been in one. You know, some church, linoleum floor gymnasium. You know, that's, that's just what I think when I see gray. I'm like elementary school or church like gym, you know, where it's like not wood. It's like that linoleum tile. And I'm like, why, why would you hardwood is such a beautiful like color just in and of itself wood. Like, why would you take away with that? Why would you make it gray? I don't know. I love a parquet court too, like the Boston yeah, Celtics. I, I, but I feel like they've sort of trademarked that in their own right. I feel like it just anything would be copycat in a way. I would also throw a FIU has a horrendous court. I think that is it. FIU that has the wave. That's oh, that the, sounds like something Tulane would sidelines. That that one's really ugly. And then I believe Memphis does a gray court as well. Yeah, oh, theirs is bad. Theirs, theirs is, is bad. real bad. I mean, well, well, I guess they sort of have to like switch courts between them and the Grizzlies. Oh, same arena. I, I don't yeah, get it I'm either. Up, I'm looking up FAU. If, if y'all haven't seen it, it's the palm trees. Yeah, it's brutal. Goodness. I love a good throwback court, though, when teams will wear the throwback unis. Along. I know Louisville's done that before. I can't really recall. If it, I also love the nostalgic of an old-looking court with, like, the more slim paint. Like, when we played Baylor earlier in the year, that was really neat in North Dakota. But if you get too cute with your home court, your normal home court, it, it starts to come across as, like, the NBA in-season tournament-looking thing, which I still, my eyes are bleeding from looking at those. What about, uh, what about a big logo? Mm, wait, how big are we talking? If it touches, it, let's say if there's volleyball lines on the court and it's closer to the three-point line than the vo- or the volleyball line or hypothetical volleyball line, then it's too big. Uh, see, I love Kansas's. I love just like, it is massive. Like, it's so big. I, Auburn's got a, I've, I'm, I mean, I've watched so much Auburn basketball. I don't, I don't know why I can't get it. I feel like we have a pretty big logo on the center court. I think the AU is pretty pretty neat, but there's some arenas too that have like the sponsor stickers. One that immediately comes to mind is Rupp. It looks terrible. Next Kentucky home game, or tomorrow against Ole Miss, please look at this Central Bank sticker that we have that goes basically from half court all the way down to like the corner of the three-point line. There's just, it's too easy to mess up. Call it like basketball courts look the coolest out of any sort of field to me, and that may be bias. There's definitely some football fields that I guess could look more cool. Baseball diamonds, I just feel like they all look the same. But basketball courts, you can get cool, but don't get too cute. Is there a, is there another court that's like similar to the layout of Memorial, where the benches are like on the baseline, and then you know, you know there's the court is like risen up? Well, I know during March Madness, like all the 
farther the farther end, like the final four, all those games were on an elevated court. Yeah, true. Yeah. yeah, and that just adds the dome feel. But on that note, we're gonna go ahead and wrap up segment two, take a quick break, and when we come back, it's time. Mr. Josh Hopkins himself will be joining the show to break down the big one on Saturday and talk a little bit more about his stories from Auburn and maybe some SEC hoops hot takes as well. So stay tuned, and we will be back shortly. And welcome back, Barners Before Bed, episode 37, February 12th, here on this cold Monday night. And ladies and gentlemen, it's time. Welcome to the show, everyone. Former Auburn student, Kentucky native, and current actor who's been in the shows of the likes of Cougar Town, alongside Birmingham native Courtney Cox, and been in movies such as my personal favorite, The 12 Minute of Christmas. Everyone, welcome to the show, Josh Hopkins. Josh, how's the sound feel? Can you hear us? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you loud and clear. Looks like we uh we were one button away, but the whole crew should be here. Guys, Josh, Josh, the Barner's crew. Hey, what's up, fellas? What's up? Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. War Eagle. War Eagle, Josh. And to set the stage here, what if I had the phone the wrong way? These are some vets over here. They've been helping out Garber. But to set the stage here, let's go ahead and break down a little bit of your history as a fan, maybe your ties to Auburn as well. You grew up loving sports, sort of similar to me. You played basketball at the same high school I did. You're friends with my dad from a long time. Both of y'all came to Auburn, and y'all really were the first ones from Lexington. I'm sure there was others, but y'all set the stage for a lot more Kentucky kids, especially in the central area, to come to Auburn. So what made y'all decide to come here at the time? people since then started coming down our friends started coming to visit and really liked it you know Auburn's such a special place and when you get there you realize very quickly that it's special and the people and the environment and there's nothing like it the love of this village and so we uh you know uh your dad's one of my best friends in the world and we played you know ball together at your same school and we were looking to uh expand our uh, education and um, honestly I didn't have very good grades nor scores and I also didn't care much about <laughs> about education or I wasn't educated I wasn't um, mature enough to care really and Auburn we went and visited it had rolling admissions you didn't have to write an essay I loved that about it and my scores and grades were good enough. And we went down and visited together. I went to some small schools and visited, and I just didn't want to do that because our high school was pretty small. I wanted to go to a big, you know, public university that I, I said, I don't want to be able to meet everyone on there. There's always got to be people. So we came, and it was a beautiful day kind of um, in the middle of, sort of winter so it was really nice and we just fell in love with it we uh packed up and, and we did it and then a bunch of our friends who you all know came and visited and then came down after us and went and a lot of their kids are going there now like like with you like you know maddie powell and 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 others so it was uh we kind of started it it was nice 
Yeah, and uh, something that I would love the viewers at home to hear about, and when y'all were first at Auburn, the times were different, right? This was a football school through and through. There's no thought of basketball. But y'all, you and my dad both being hoop junkies, you guys would go to every basketball game, and the student sections would be empty, and y'all had a particular hobby that made a little bit of a headline, I'd say roughly, what, like, what, 20 years later? You shared the story on Kentucky Sports Radio. Would you mind elaborating on what y'all did and how that experience was like in Auburn basketball back in that time and to the world we know now of Auburn hoops that Bruce Pearl's created? Right. Well, first of all, um, no, it was it. Uh, what was it? Eves? Beard Eves? Beard Eves. What yep. was the place? Eves Memorial Coliseum? I mean, that's where they played their ball it was pretty big way too big like this new i can't wait to get there i'm coming there this weekend for the kentucky auburn basketball game and i can't wait to see a game in in the new arena and they would have to like put these huge tarps up to block out just thousands of seats because no one would go to the games it was we walked in with, you know, 10 minutes till the game and we'd go sit wherever we wanted, basically. And we went down on the baseline closest to the visitor's bench as we could get and just hounded them the whole time. We were the baseline bullies, and that's what we did. We loved that we could go do it, and we we just loved, you know, we're hoop junkies, and we got to see great basketball and great teams come in there and Shaq and... uh, Mashburn and all these, you know, uh, uh, Chris Jackson at the time, Abdul, I don't know exactly how you say it. Uh, it, it, a lot of great players we got to see, you know, Robert Ory, just up close. Um, the second year we were there was uh, Wesley Person came in, who played in the league, you know, uh, his dad, I mean, his bro- older brother played there. Chuck. So we got to see a lot of great basketball and have a really good time with it, but it was a different time. Well, we're still, and I'm sure we'll get into this in this later, but even when we were there, I mean, we were Kentucky fans. I grew up, you know, when I was five years old in Kentucky Laws, crying. I, I couldn't just go to Auburn and suddenly just not like, I, it's in my blood. I can't help it. That's Sounds identity for us. So we go to the games and cheer for Auburn, but when Kentucky came in, I wore a Kentucky shirt. We did it. And um, one game, we had some ties. We had a friend who was, I hope statute of limitations has run out on this. I've already told the story publicly, but a buddy who was a, a manager, and he conveniently left the locker room Un- unlocked when the game started and we had another friend that took advantage and went in there and got basically just we stole a bunch of the Kentucky warm-ups and shooting shirts and stuff because we thought it was the coolest thing in the world and it made you know the news the, the paper everyone oh they got you know robbed little did they know they got robbed by the Kentucky fans that were students at Auburn and uh, then we were so stupid, though, we were like, well, we can't wear these because we're going to get in trouble. <laughs> but have, 
them for years and years. I got pictures of them on my Instagram page. If anybody wants to go see Mr. Josh Hopkins, Mr. Josh Hopkins, there's pictures of Mashburn shooting shirt that eventually I could wear around 15 years later. <laughs> uh, Mr. Josh, if, uh, do you think if you went to if you if you were at Auburn now as opposed to back then, do you think it'd be a lot harder for you to still be a Kentucky fan, or would you be like Trey, where you're still the blood runs deep. It would be no harder. It'd be the same thing. Look, I I was friends with a bunch of the basketball players and like would play pickup with them and they were great to me and really nice and cool. And um, I remember coming and sitting down for the first time Kentucky came to town in my Kentucky shirt and Ronnie Battle, who was the leading scorer as a sophomore over Wesley Persons actually came over and I mean he just got this stood in front of me and he looked at me and he was PO'd he was angry I was like dude what what do you want me to do be, be you're really gonna just wear the shirt too I was like yeah man <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry but this is you know this is how my father and I bonded this is this runs right. deep, deeper deeper than you know man so yeah it it would be way more exciting to be an Auburn basketball fan now, obviously. But I pulled for him hard then, and I would have pulled for him hard now. But when Kentucky comes to town, it just runs too deep. That's 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 a fair answer. Yeah, and Josh, there's throughout my college time. Let me get this phone back. I have been the victim of a lot of jokes, as you will. Which, understandably, I'm the guy coming in cheering for a different team, and now it's sort of. Dare I say a tad bit of a rivalry? The history with Bruce Pearl in Kentucky runs back to Tennessee. It's a lot more controversial being a Kentucky fan now than it was. But you can attest for me, you still have deep, deep Auburn passion and ties. You witnessed one of the classic Trey meltdowns after a loss there in Pasadena. Do you do you have any recollection of that night? Because my dad definitely sure does. Yeah, I mean, you guys, I'm sure you from the Trey, Trey... Trey has a hard time as a young kid with his teams losing. And he has been as big an Auburn fan as anyone I know from the time he was just a little, little kid. Just loved it. And lots of times he'd, he'd have some breakdowns. I'm talking about breakdowns where his parents would be like, go to your room and he'd throw stuff. Like, <laughs> Not much has changed, Josh. What's that? Not much has changed at all. championship game i was living out in los angeles then and they all came out and we went to pasadena and and um when auburn we lost that game to florida state i mean little trey was not having it he threw a fit and started crying we got on a bus to go back and he was he was inconsolable and his dad's like stop it you gotta act right he's like, i want to act right they <laughs> cheated he would do anything to <laughs> make like Auburn actually won. I never seen a kid, I never seen an adult or kid that was as passionate about a team as he was that day. Exactly. I mean, he he's been crying about Auburn defeats for since he could actually like 
conceive of what winning and losing was. I mean, he's he's an Auburn fan, and I don't care what anyone says. Just because Kentucky comes to town, he, he'll he'll like Kentucky. There's no bigger Auburn fan than Trey. Band a whole bit. Um, What's that? Uh, I was just saying. I, I think it's, it's, it seems like Trey might have brought you on just to make sure you know, proved us he's a the real Auburn fan that you know we give him hell for. Well, you should give him hell for it. That's what that's what friends are for. <laughs> also, you might have to get a little closer to the phone. I can barely hear what you're saying. Yeah, that's our guy Garber there on the mic. But Graham's got a question for you. Yeah, we're about to go to break, so I just got one quick question. Um, it was funny because Trey texted us all today and and said, "Hey, we're gonna have." a famous actor on the show tonight. I'm like, and he said it was an Auburn grad. Uh, and I was like, I mean, are we going to have Octavia Spencer on? Like, what What do you mean? So uh, I, I noticed you and her are actually the same age. So did you happen to know her at Auburn? Did y'all, did your uh, paths ever cross? Uh, I did not know her at Auburn, and but we are absolutely great friends now. Nice. Yeah, we uh, met in Los Angeles. Um, we've been in a movie together, two movies together. We, uh, we, as she took me when she was, when the year she won the Oscar, she took me to the Screen Actors Guild Award, awards with her. Um, we're, we talk all the time. She actually just uh, did a voiceover for a PBS show that my sister was producing. She's the all-time greatest and a huge Auburn fan and but it's funny we did not know each other then and met at, met out in Los Angeles how about that yeah and Josh we're gonna have to cut it off here take a quick break when we come back we'll go ahead and look to Saturday talking about the the big one the uh house divided game between me and my friends Kentucky and Auburn get a preview from both sides on both teams and wrap it up from there but stick with us because we will be back shortly And welcome back, Barners Before Bed, here closing out with a preview of next Saturday. College game day coming back in town for, I believe, the third time, or third or fourth time in the Bruce Pearl era. But we still have Mr. Josh Hopkins with us. If you missed the last segment, actor, Kentucky native, former Auburn student, and well-renowned person here in the sports media as he was a part of the Rex Chapman show and got to meet some very cool people along the way, including the likes of Jeff Goodman, got to talk to Steve Kerr, I believe. Have, through your contacts with him and looking ahead to Saturday, have and, and you being a hoops junkie, have you got to hear any tidbits or pieces about both clubs going into this, or is there any insider information? Well, I wish I had some insider information, but I'm, I'm in. You still there? Well, it looks like we may have lost Josh here for a second. But looking ahead to Saturday, this is a must-win for both teams. And Josh? He's back. All right, he's back. Yeah, Josh, just give us your preview ahead of Saturday for both teams, especially for the fans who don't know the struggles that Kentucky's going through now and the strengths and weaknesses or anything you want to say. Yeah, I just, you know, no Kentucky fans have a big hope of winning at Auburn. I mean, I'm so excited that Auburn has become like the 
best home court advantage in the SEC. That is just awesome. From where I came from, when you could just walk in and lay down and watch a game, it makes me so happy, and I'm really excited to, to be in there for this. But Kentucky fans, you know, we're a bunch of freshmen, and we've been taking our lumps, and we're not playing good defense, and Auburn is the one of the best defensive teams I've seen in a while even. They're just grown men that get up in you and just – I think we're just too too weak physically for this team. I, I worry Broom's going to have his way down low. Uh, the the all the Katie Johnson is a grown man, you know. I mean, there's a chance uh, if Kentucky like Dillingham gets really hot or something to to, to keep it close. I think we don't like um, say like. We're not happy losing in Kentucky basketball, but if we keep that one decently close, I think most fans would be kind of happy with that. But uh, Auburn's impressive. They've got a, they've got some problems on the road as well, but there are some grown men in there, and it's just the exact kind of team that Kentucky's not prepared for. So – just want to go ahead and ask you this, like you, as you just said, while we were all fair, you're coming in Friday. Are there any spots in Auburn that you're looking forward to visiting while you're in town? Any restaurants yeah. or places? Yeah, every one of them. <laughs> because when I was there, there wasn't any. There was none. There's these places we're going I've never heard of. Last time I was there was about 14 years ago. Uh, and... It was. It blew my mind how different it was. But now it's going to be night and day, obviously. So, like, we've got reservations uh, that you know Trey's dad made at these places. I can't remember the names, but it's like reservations. I mean, the only thing you could do then was like go to Tumor's Corner and get some orange juice, or you know, to Wendy's. Right. I remember, you could go to Wendy's and write a check. That was the coolest thing. But. It's going to blow my mind to see the place. I I just want to walk around, to be honest, and just take it all in. I'm really excited to get there. That's awesome. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a great thread on Twitter that shows the development of different spots in Auburn, uh, like over a 25 year time lapse, and it has definitely shot up. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how much longer we're going to be able to call ourselves the loveliest village with how much we're growing. Yeah. I'm excited. I, I, I Trey, send me that. I like to. I also want to say, though, I'm excited to, you know, uh, I had a um, a friend when I went there. He was a, a fraternity brother, uh, Scott Sabera, and his son plays. Yes, sir. He Carter was uh, – Carter was actually – he's one of our good friends, and he was, he was my roommate sophomore year, so it was fun to watch him play. So excited to see that kid! I'm so proud of him. He doesn't even know it. I follow him on Instagram. <laughs> I mean, I'm a big Carter Sabera fan, so I, I look forward to seeing him. His dad was pretty good ball too. Yes, sir. He's uh, it's definitely nice to be able to know somebody on the team personally. But he's uh, we're always cheering for him when he's in. Well, you tell him he's got a fan in me. Yes, sir. Will do. Well, Josh, from a Kentucky perspective, I feel like Carter Sabera may not be the guy you want to see, but whenever Carter checks in the game, it's always fun to watch him play. But to close out here, as we got a couple minutes left, love to go around the table and maybe give a score prediction for Saturday. So, Josh, if you'd like to kick things off, I'd love to hear your take. Okay. I'm going to 
say Kentucky 87, Auburn 84. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, wow. Wow, coming on the Auburn radio show. I got I to do it. I got to do it. We're going to – Dilly's going to get hot. We're just – it's a – it's a game that just wakes us up. It's we need to have it. We'll be more desperate. I don't. I don't know that I believe this, but I'm talking myself into it. 87, 84, cats. That's a fair take. Uh, I guess I'll go ahead and go next, Trey. I think I'm going to go opposite. I'm going 88, 81, Tigers uh, in a game that we kind of pull away with free throws at the very end. Garber. I think we're breaking it. I think we're hitting 100. So. Uh... 101-92, Auburn. I think, once again, like Jack's going to say, I think free throw is going to be spread that margin out, maybe uh, cover a big number. Graham? Yeah, uh, I think you're on crack if you don't think Auburn's going to score more than 85. So um, I'm going to go Auburn 92, Kentucky 78. And, we, Josh, we've been talking throughout the show. I don't know how much you've been following Auburn basketball this year, but there's this McDonald's All-American guard, Aiden Holloway. Who's, yeah, I know, the freshman. yeah, and they were talking about we need a game for Aiden to get his confidence back, and I was like, well, there's a team in blue coming into town that's a little <laughs> weak defensively that could help yeah, that cause. That's a good team to get your mojo working against. 100%. Well, Josh, thank you so much again for joining us here tonight. It's always a pleasure. Looking forward to seeing you this weekend, and uh, we got to get a picture with you and the crew, and also, shout out to a fellow fraternity brother of yours again. Griggs Powell will be rocking the merch this weekend as he'll be coming in town as well. That's right. Former Plainsman Griggs Powell. Look forward to meeting all you guys. Let's uh, uh, definitely meet up, um, and thanks for having me on the show. Yes, sir. Thank you for coming on. Thanks, Josh. Yeah, Josh, thank you. Well, on that note, everybody, we're going to go ahead and um, shut her down here for this Monday night, episode 37 edition. What a great time having Josh on, and uh, what a great weekend we have ahead. But for Trey Atkins, Jack Vesey, Campbell Garber, and Graham Copeland, good night, everybody, and as always, War Eagle. Love you guys. Thank you all for listening from us here at Barners Before Bed. We hope you join us next Wednesday at 10 p.m. right here on Weagle 91.1 FM. Sleep tight, Tiger fans. And as always, War Eagle.